Um, hi, my name is Alundra Bedoy, and I'm here with my classmates. I'm joined. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Plessy versus Ferguson. And here today we have Amanda Below. Hi. And we also have Elizabeth Gongaza. Hello. And we have Daisy Aldana. Hello. Right, and then we'll just jump straight into the first question. So, Amanda, could you possibly tell us about, like, what are the issues in this case of Plessy versus Ferguson? Um, yeah, of course, I could start that off. Um, so I'm going to start with basically talking about the background of the case. Um, so Homer Adolph Plessy boarded the East Louisiana Railroad in New Orleans with a first class ticket. Uh, Plessy had made his way to one of the coach coaches reserved for whites and sat down. His intent was on breaking the law and wanted to be noticed while he was doing so. The refusal to move into one of the Jim Crow coaches set aside for Blacks led a detective to arrest him, force him off the train, and throw him in jail. Precisely exactly what Plessy was hoping for. He purposely put himself in that situation as a part of a campaign by Blacks to secure a liberal, inclusive understanding of the Reconstruction Amendments and to resist their new civic exile. For instance, uh, the Black Trials book reads, uh, Plessy's actions were part of an effort to create what, what in legal parlance is known as a test case. Uh, furthermore, a test case is a legal dispute designed to challenge the constant constitutionality of a disfavored law, which in most cases are carefully planned in advance. All this careful planning was to attack the Louisiana statute that required all railway all railways to provide separate coaches for whites and blacks that was designed to promote the comfort of passengers. The case known as Plessy vs. Ferguson never held any trial and Ferguson was not a representative of the East Louisiana Railroad, but rather the judge who presided over the court in which Plessy was to be prosecuted. Plessy's lawyers moved for dismissal, arguing that the separate car law was un- unconstitutional. The judge ruled against the pretrial motion and continued up the ladder of the court system. Four years had passed without the appearance of any appropriately like-minded justice. Most appointees were ill-disposed to any broad or liberal readings of the Reconstruction Amendments. It was argued that Jim Crow legislation was a reasonable exercise of the state's police power to protect public health, safety, and morals. For instance, the text states, If Blacks felt that Jim Crow stamps the colored race with a badge of inferiority, it was not because of anything in the law itself, but rather because Blacks chose to put that construction upon it. So thank you for that um, breakdown, but it's clear that what we have here is a case that's really important and a case that we can even reflect on it to this day. And I'm just going to be talking a little bit more like why there were such strong feelings and beliefs on each side of this case. Alondra, if I can stop you right there, I would like to highlight how this case essentially was done on purpose. I mean, not essentially. It, it was done on purpose. Yeah, it was. It was done on purpose. I think yeah. that's so bold. I don't think there are many people that would put themselves out there and put themselves in that position to, you know, 
Because of consequences, purposely like, get yeah, purposely get arrested. I I know. I mean, you know, as a Hispanic, dark Hispanic woman, I know for me, it's it's definitely not something I would go ahead and do just because of. You kind of never know, you know. Like it's it's one of those things. It's like you can get arrested or whatever, and say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, and the whole thing can go south. And I'm putting myself in in his shoes, being a person of color back then. It's like, wow, you're really taking this risk. Like, you're taking one for the team, essentially. Yeah. And it's. I, I, I think this differs from, from a lot of other cases that I've read because it, other cases, it's like something that's come up, not something that was intentionally done to like... And like planned beforehand. Before yeah. So I mean, kudos to him, you know, like obviously this made a big change and really put in stone like what would be happening after that. Like he cleared up what... I think no one was expecting like any Black American to like stand up against the law. Yeah, like they just like you know keep hush and follow the rules. Yeah, especially someone that you wouldn't like notice because you have to remember like he was one ape um, black, so I'm sure it wasn't extremely noticeable. So like, yeah, I thought that that was so interesting. That like, I mean, it really is important to highlight because white passing was like a, a, like a gray area exactly and I think I'm just gonna go more into like a little bit more like the just whole I guess controversies or like the like the beliefs all around this um I think during this uh era a lot of whites felt that you know like black Americans had enough equality that they they did enough for them um, they use the separate but equal phrase a lot during this time where, you know, you could have your restaurant, your fountain, your school, and that's somehow equal, even though things could be deteriorating, textbooks can be outdated, uh, they don't have even paper or pencils. Uh, so here they viewed like the separated trains as equal, you know, we both have our own train, but you know, it was, the other trains were not near as nice and luxurious as the white side. And getting close to any integration and inequality was like a really big fear for many whites. Uh, while like black people were fighting for their humanity during this time. And, it, you know, Jim Crow and the Civil War. And again, for whites, this case hit a nerve for them because they realized when you give non-whites power, it would end their own power, you know, institutional power, their, their power in the government, the education and healthcare, and all these other aspects. Uh, for uh, Black people, this hit a nerve because they were not being seen as the human citizens that they were. You know, they really have to go above and keep digging into this case and keep bringing up the law and like dissecting every little bit of it to like prove that like their human rights are being like taken away from and you them. know what's crazy about this is that it's still you still see something like this occur even in the 20th century in the 21st century um you see a lot of like when you mentioned about schools and education having like 
a difference between them. You still see a lot of like minority schools, which is going to be talked about later on. Um, but you see a lot of these schools nowadays that have a lot of minorities in them still being impacted and having a lot of mm-hmm. reasons compared to like a uh, quote unquote white school. So it's crazy. Yes, the relevance of this case is 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 I think bigger than people really realize, which is why it's important to really. I think dissect and understand this case. I completely And then I want to put in a comment about how you stated that they use the phrase separate but equal Mm -hmm. quite a lot. Um, Going through this, the chapter in the Black Trials book, they used it basically almost on every page multiple times. And the Plessy vs. Ferguson case really wanted to fight that phrase saying that like we are separate but we're not equal and like it shouldn't be that way like equality should be um uniting everybody together and creating equality for each and every person no matter like what color they are even though plessy was one Mm eighth black how can that like label him as being Mm -hmm. a black american and how he got arrested for sitting in a white train car instead of being on the one of the Jim Crow cars. I think so many like black Americans were just fed up being like, why do you guys like as in like the white population, like why do you get to decide what is moral, what is like legal, what, what is, is correct. Is, yeah. yeah. Easily and you can connect that to just... what's happening now in this day, you know, like people of color again are upset and they are they are fed up with oppression and although I wouldn't say it's at the same level as it was before. It's still present mm-hmm. and it's still very much affecting these communities. And it's it's a big deal and people are making it known. They are not letting it slide anymore, you know, and it's 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 huge. I think it's huge because it does connect to all these other people before us who have done it. And they've, I mean, I feel like they've done a little bit more extreme things like like this case, but it's still like, we're still fighting it, you know? And that's crazy. I think even our generation, we're, we're just every day is like a new realization that we're following these rules that were created so many years ago by dead white guys. And it's just like, why is, why is everything this way? Like, why does the way things are the way that they are and realizing like it's all just a construct and it can easily be taken apart and built in a new way mm-hmm. and so just move on to the other uh question i have uh, for daisy uh could you tell me i guess why this case is so socially important you know like your own take on this like what are the implications well this case essentially established the segregation mandates the doctrine of segregation was made legitimate because of this case the decision of this case made it okay for each state to divide the nation between white people and those of color therefore it allowed for those of color to be treated as second-class citizens legally people of color could have been potential could have potentially been treated as equal if the court would have ruled differently, but rather it allowed for discrimination to go on further. I think this is important to know how this case was that defining bar 
of like, hey, now we're making this legal. We're letting you know that we believe that whites are superior and that it's okay for you to be treated as second-class citizens and we're going to allow this legally. You know, before this case, it wasn't, it was, uh, there was a lot of gray area where now it's established, you know? I totally agree. I think this um, also relates back to my question in the beginning of this podcast um, where like the government argued that like the Jim Crow legislation legislation was a reasonable exercise of the state's police power to protect public health, safety and morals. They thought it was the right thing to do to like in society and keep it in society because they felt that blacks were the ones to put that upon themselves, like how they think like white superiority is like above all else and like they think that blacks were the ones being like oh um you're just like stamping us with like the color race and giving Mm -hmm. us a badge of inferiority because they're they think it even though it's not just them that are that's like thinking that like Mm -hmm. it it should be everybody very good point i agree um Oh, let's just uh, move over uh, again to Daisy. So could you tell us, I guess, what impact did this decision of like the case have on, you know, every individual involved on the U.S. racial structure and also the U.S. society? Yes, of course. This case allowed for the, again, legitimization of segregation. The thought was for them to be like was said previously equal but separated or segregated Um, but in reality it just allowed for states to legally discriminate like I said before and be racist in a legal standpoint this case showed the power of racism as a man who was one-eighth black like was stated before was treated as less than because he had some black in him it empowered whiteness and the purity of it. It told people that if there were, if they were not pure white, then they would not be allowed to live. They would be, they would have to live. Sorry, as second-class citizens. People of color had inferior facilities, like was mentioned before, to whites, including schools to train carts. And those of colors had to settle with lower quality because this case legitimized it. So again, like, it was just clearly the legitimization of treating people of color as second-class citizens. And honestly, kind of really being ironic that they're saying equal but segregated or separate when in reality they know that this is not the case you know there is because of the i'm sorry to interrupt but like if you were to put a a white individual in their place they'd be like of course of course like it was it was ridiculous to even honestly think that this was the case when you could easily look back at pictures and see that the train carts were completely different the restaurants were different schools were different you know it's just like how can you honestly wear this around and make this your excuse oh like we're equal but 
like segregated and it's okay because we're equal when you know that it's not you know and like you're putting forth this law that legitimizes and allows for this to continue but you say oh no it's okay because we're equal you know yeah it's like they're doing the not even the bare minimum but they think of course yeah yeah um i totally agree and i think that like though like white citizens like in this time in um the time of the case and like today like they don't understand what the black americans have to go through because they haven't been able to figuratively speak speaking Mm -hmm. like walk in their shoes they've never had to experience what a black american experiences so they think that they're creating something equal Mm -hmm. but if they were on the other side of the spectrum and living the way the black americans have to live they would probably understand that it is not equal the way that they've been living i don't i don't know if i don't know if i completely believe that you know like how can you truly be so oblivious to think that clear differences are equal you know like regardless if you step in their shoes like how can you honestly think hey this this dining hall or dining restaurant is is the same as mine when you can clearly see that it's not you know like I don't know I don't know if there's really any excuse (laughs) to this injustice because it was so evident you know it was so out there it was like you wanted to be blind to this you know like yeah I think it was like just complete brainwash from like people and like higher power and the social status being like they were fully aware of what they were doing and what policies they were implementing and having other white people who maybe they had some guilt inside but like brainwashing them like they really are second classes and so they truly deserve this and then them willingly taking it on and perpetrating you also have to keep in mind like during those times we see a lot of like you guys were mentioning like they were being oblivious to whatever was going on for a purpose i feel because because we see like how they were treating people of color like as if they were nothing and that goes back to a lot of like centuries like it's not even during that time i think it's just just dumb like how you guys mentioned earlier it's for them to keep a sense of power like without Mm -hmm. feeling like they're going to be overpowered by another group Mm -hmm. yeah because they were like in their mind they were living like the the best life they were living by abusing other people Sorry, to like, in their heads it's also like how you guys also mentioned it's like it's not us it's you guys that are doing that to yourselves it's like we have nothing to do with that you think about it a little bit um i think uh i guess i could talk about like how this relates to struggles for justice for black individuals and you know like in the communities in the u.s and I think that it relates to how, you know, racists will jump through hoops to show that they are not racist. You know, like as we have discussed, uh, they believe that black people are still not as deserving of a fulfilling life. Um, even like maybe in those times, I mean, maybe they had like, they knew someone who was black and they kind of like felt like, oh, you know, they're like an okay person. But like when it came time to defend them, they probably wouldn't be there to stand up for them. 
and you know racism goes deep into this country's system and as hard as plus he tried to get his case through you know different courts they all came back with like the same racist rhetorics that like no human rights were being violated you know like as we've discussed thoroughly like they were separated but equal just like no 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 you're you're wrong you're wrong everything's fine there's nothing wrong here and you know other people of power you know defending the white courts and you know black individual can have a you know really valid case presence where you know it's evident that their basic human rights have been violated on the basis of their skin color you know even then getting justice will take twice the effort and you know the government police officers and the education system you know they all they all work together because it they're all kind of linked together through like institutional mm-hmm. systematic racism mm-hmm. bouncing off what you said about um their basic human rights having been violated on the basis of their skin color since plessy was one eighth black i wonder how evident his physical appearance would be to show that mm-hmm. he was a black american like it couldn't have been very evident to show that he was one eighth black sitting in a white car mm-hmm. so i just want to like i wonder him. how they would have oh are you black he was like like judged him like and suddenly everything wrong mm-hmm. sudden th- everything changed even though he may have looked like a a normal white american just him stating mm-hmm. that he was like part black american just shifted the gear like, and it's right like away. if he wouldn't have said anything i don't think anyone would have even noticed you know like yeah it was something that yeah really he chose and obviously it was, it was premeditated but it's like it really highlighted the racism you know it's just like basically it's like just the thought of someone being partially black automatically like eliminating yeah like it it eliminates their their rights kind of to being like normal Mm -hmm. white citizens and now it's like okay now we're putting you we're placing you in this like second class citizen because you're 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 not not pure you know and it's just like ridiculous yeah years later we're here i guess you know we have to really think about like what are the factors like what has what factors affected the case outcome and i think elizabeth you mind expanding on this for us uh but in terms for the plessy and ferguson's outcome i think one of the main factors for the result for them was the dismissal of Plessy's claim um, by Brown. Um, So they argue that the equal protection guarantees of the 14th Amendment in no way imply that segregation was unconstitutional, meaning like it's not against the law. Um, And by that, Brown made sure to show that the race wasn't at all a reason for why the case first started to begin with and had had like nothing to do with the law. Um, However, that, as mentioned before, Blacks tend to put themselves through that thought process um, that it was not possible for such a thing to exist. Um, the second would be the ties, um, the ties in with this claim would be that the 14th Amendment, which was used in order to prove that it wasn't unconstitutional to be, oh, sorry. Um, So, yeah, like I was saying, it was unconstitutional to be racially discriminated upon. However, it was argued that it was implying that the manifest absurdity 
that the amendment concerned was not civil, but social rights. At the same time, racial discrimination could be considered a badge of slavery, in a sense rejected the citizenships of like Blacks within the amendment, quote-unquote the 13th amendment. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's a lot to take in. It is. I guess we'll just... Like, I think... The comments. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I think it's important, like, like, you know, obviously it's said each man is created equal, right? Except if you're Black, you know? And it's like, someone reading that would be like, okay, everybody's created equal, so why is everyone not equal but then it just goes to show like how important interpretation is of these laws you know like something can be written down but interpreted completely different and therefore changing everything changing the meaning changing how it affects the people and it's important that like although something is is is, is a law it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be interpreted as it as stated you know as 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 one would think you know i agree with you because if we see it now we think we'll say everyone's equal right but we also see like the same thing that we saw back then uh in a sense in their time not everyone was equal so they didn't see even people of color as humans in a sense like if we were to connect it to like prior history um events that had occurred I think was it was it with the the Holocaust I think or was it with this one uh, with like African Americans where they used the Bible as an excuse to not treat people right I think it's during this time right where we were able to every time I feel like people that's true if if I can easily connect that to like the Spanish conquest you know like they were doing it for God for for the for the crown. For, the, for God, essentially, because, you know, whoever's in power is, is Catholic. And they, you know, they, they literally wrote about this. Spaniards, they would write it like, these poor savages, you know, they don't know the true manifestation of God. And they really thought that they were, what they were doing was good because it was in the name of God, you know? And they used, again, the Bible as their shield of understanding that it was incorrect. Yeah, that's a really excellent way to put it. It's crazy how we're seeing all these history events that had occurred with, like, mistreatment of other groups and the usage of, like, certain tax documents, uh, legal documents even, to justify their actions against these groups. It's absurd. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think we can still even see that today. And we'll just move on to uh, the other question that I have was uh, guided to Amanda. Uh, I guess what arguments were made on both sides of the case, you know, during that time? Of course. Um, so some arguments that were made on the side of Plessy were that he purposely put himself in that situation as a part of a campaign by Blacks to secure a liberal, inclusive understanding of the Reconstruction Amendments and to resist their renewed civic exile, um, using himself as a test case to dispute the Jim Crow laws about separation of people of color from whites on the railroad system. 
uh, Plessy v. Ferguson argued that this legislation was un- unconstitutional. Uh, but on the other hand, it was argued that the Jim Crow legislation was a reasonable exercise of the state's police power to protect public health, safety, and morals. Another argument on the side of Ferguson was that the equal protection guarantees of the 14th Amendment uh, were no way implied that segregation was unconstitutional because after all, racial antipathy was in the nature of things. This legislation had nothing written in the law about blacks being inferior to whites since the white community believed that blacks had put that construction upon themselves. Even though obviously reading off like the side of Ferguson, it just sounds like unbelievable like and terrible to like think that they thought mm-hmm. all this stuff was like the correct way to do things back like, then they are holier than thou they are doing god's work i don't know it's i, I guess because we grew up not being so deranged like that we just can't even like comprehend ever being like that yeah i mean it was it was the norm you know it was was what was done and deviating from that is obviously hard from i feel like from both both sides you know like i'm sure blacks maybe thought that that was the norm as well you know and obviously they eventually got tired of it but for a long time like that was what they had to live with and I'm sure they were just like oh like things, this is how things are but it's just how it is you know yeah yeah it's such a terrible way to like think that that is like the normal way to live like like nothing would get better you know I feel mm-hmm. like that's how they thought like back then like nothing would get better and it's I mean it's slowly getting better but like I don't think for a while it's not going to be to like the full capacity mm-hmm. of everybody is created equal. Oh, I have a more of a longer question for Elizabeth. Um, what if any contemporary corollaries can you find or think of are similar issues coming up in any way in contemporary U.S. legal cases or situations? Um, the type of co- well, the contemporary uh. Cor- corollaries that I could think of or like I see there are similar issues coming up in any way within the U.S. legal cases or situations that are like semi-current cases of police brutality on minorities. Um, I could think of one of the most recent um, events that being of George Floyd and like Breonna Taylor cases where police or government forces have abused their powers and have caused the death of two people of color to be more precise innocent people of color. Um, The issue behind was that neither of them had completely broken the law nor disobeyed with the police orders. Um, In terms of like George Floyd, maybe they did think that he was, but when you see the videos that were going around online and social media, um, we saw that he was complying with the law. Um, And then, sorry. um, we also see situations like this in educations, places where minorities reside tend to have less funding than a school where the majority of the students are white, which are well-funded. Schools serving greater numbers of students of color has significantly um, fewer resources, most of which are found in property poor urban districts, which fare the worst in educational expenditure or where they suffer from physical inequity. 
which are like rural areas. Uh, something that previous studies have shown to be well present, I don't know if you guys have heard, um, read the Colesville, um study from 1991. They basically did studies on education. They looked at different uh, areas. I think, was it California? I'm not really sure. Um, and they noted these differences. Um, however, many use the idea that some people of color lack the intelligence or need to bring themselves up. But in reality, the lack of opportunities and lack of government help has led to these differences. And we also see like, we see these type of things where we are, people tend to argue how there's no like enforced segregation, but that people of color self segregate and just to live together in particular neighborhoods. Um, and then since there is no mandated legal segregation, um, this is all the result of like choice and all social justice implication. Um, and this could be true of like conditions such as economic status, schools and treatment by officials were all the same across neighborhoods. And in a sense, we like, it's not, it, this is not like happening within the US racial segregation patterns in which restrictive prominence prevented people of like color from buying properties in particular areas. Job discrimination shut people of color out of jobs. And these people tend to move into like majority white neighborhoods and those factors have strongly enforced segregation even as law no longer mandated. If that makes sense. Like we're seeing all these um, injustices and how many of these like groups tend to um, be pushed to like, how would I say, we're thinking about the type of fairness and education and like residential segregation. Like it's not something that they cost for themselves. It's just how our history and our, well, not ours specifically, but the way the US has constructed these racial inequities. Does that make sense? I thought it was interesting what you brought up about saying that like racial segregation is illegal but we still see racial segregation because people are like quote like choosing where to live and I feel like in a way yeah people are choosing but there's a lot of like reasons Mm -hmm. why that even comes up like you know sometimes like immigrants come here and living in like uh racial enclaves enclaves i think that's the word for it but like areas where they're dominated by a certain ethnicity like it's familiarity it's maybe like feeling like oh yeah this reminds me of some part there's people here i can relate to and like i feel like sometimes people don't even realize it uh where they're living is segregated um i think it's like also i think white flight um or like redlining also has a huge role in like why there's still racial segregation today even though it's like it's illegal and like it's not like no one's like telling them like you should only live here like it's i don't know it's just like so interesting like the point that you made that like some people still choose to be living in segregated areas yeah Any other comments or I guess questions? Uh, no, I don't think so. I feel like we had like a really great discussion about a lot of aspects that this case brought to not only the time that it happened, but also mm-hmm. how it can relate to the time Thank that we're going through now. Yeah, like- the good discussion and 
really dissecting these major topics and problems. Yeah, it was a pleasure working with you guys. We all did our part in this and everyone like did their own little like research and was very well said and lots of good points were said. Agreed. Thank you. All right. Um so yeah again uh thank you for listening and we'll be heading off. <laughs>